Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. This is episode 97, the last preseason episode of 2022-2023 season. It's Jimmy and I here. Brandon is on vacation, so the two of us will be talking a little bit about the Shakhtar friendly, uh, some Mercato updates, and then we will get ready for the season. Salernitana is less than a week away to open the season on the road. So Jim, how you doing after Roma's 5-0 thumping of uh, Shakhtar? I mean, I'm pretty happy with that as a way to kind of tie a bow on the end of the preseason. We saw a lot of really great things. We saw kind of, I think some people are calling it the Zapped lineup, the Zaniolo, uh, Dybala, Pellegrini, and Tammy Abraham lineup. Uh, put some put some firepower behind uh, Roma's attack, which was really nice to see. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I think everyone recognizes that Shakhtar isn't exactly at full strength at the moment. So it was a good thing to do, especially for charity. Uh, I'm not taking away too many takeaways from it beyond the fact that, you know, it was cool to see so many people at the stadium, so many people supporting Roma. And, you know, you could tell from players like Dybala and uh, Matic and Wijnaldum just how much it kind of shocked them to be in an environment that was that supportive and that loving um even compared to the huge clubs that they've already been at yeah for sure I, we, we do have to take shock tower with a grain of salt right they're a champions league team this year again as usual out of ukraine but with all that's going on in ukraine their roster looks a lot different than it would have uh, i don't know like eight months ago right in the midst of last season before the russian invasion so we do have to take uh the on the field exploits with a little bit of a grain of salt but there were a lot of things that were to like yesterday i mean i know you and i neither of us got to see the match in its entirety but just from you know, 10, 15 minutes here and there and the highlights, a lot of things to like you, you mentioned the four, uh, the quartet of Abraham, Pellegrini, Dybala and Zaniola linking up on that one goal. That was absolutely lovely. I know there was a uh, Pellegrini hit a post, Zaniolo hit a post at one point. Uh, Dybala had a nice turn. I don't know if you saw when he turned that one defender dribbled around mm-hmm. him and had the shot at the keeper that was saved. I mean, Roma could have won this one, seven, eight, nine, nothing. 
Um, Mancini got in on the action. Zaniolo had rave reviews in this one. So I think it's important to touch on him just for a minute because I know there's differing opinions on, on social media, on the message boards. You know, what happens to Zaniolo that now, now Dybala's here? Well, I mean, a little bit of a surprise to me, I guess, because I was the one out of the three of us that said, I don't think all four of these players can start together because I think Zan, uh, Pellegrini has to play higher up the pitch like he did last season. Well, he's played well in central midfield in the in these last two friendlies, and Zaniolo looked really, really good yesterday. It turns out that having depth is a good thing for any club. Novel concept, I know, for Roma in particular. <laughs> for us, uh, it is novel. <laughs> it is pretty novel for us to have depth, but we seriously have attacking depth now. I, I personally think that you play your best 11 players and adjust your tactics to that, uh, regardless. Like, you cannot tell me that one manager has just solved football so well that he just, like, needs to stick to his tactics no matter what. Um, and if anything, we've seen that Mourinho has had a willingness to both shift players into different roles than they might normally play and shift his tactics when things aren't going well in Rome. So I would say that there's an adaptability that I've seen both from players and from the coach in the past season or so to indicate that we'll probably be seeing a lot of Pellegrini, Abraham, Dybala, and Zaniola together. Personally, I will say I looked at the highlights and I tried to watch as much of the match as I could. Um, it's been a busy week for me. But my biggest takeaway on Zaniolo was he slimmed down. Yes. Um, it wasn't as noticeable in the past few like snippets of friendlies that I've been seeing. He slimmed down. And as much as I can understand why he bulked up as he was recovering from his ACL tear, um, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that. First of all, lifting is one of the things you can do when you're recovering from that type of injury. Uh, second of all, you probably want to avoid tearing that type of uh, ligament again. So lifting makes sense on a lot of levels. But especially for the type of way that Zaniolo plays and the fact that, you know, like it or not, he's going to have to make sure that the referees are his friends in Serie A and in the, the Europa League this season, as opposed to his enemies, as they kind of were last season. It will help him if he doesn't just look like a tank bulldozing through everybody. And last season, I wasn't as down on him as a lot of other people were, but he looked way more like a tank than we saw prior to his ACL tears. So this lighter slimmer Zaniolo who's able to kind of recreate a lot of what we were seeing from him pre-ACL tears is super exciting um I think that there's enough hesitation in my mind about the idea that Zaniolo and Dybala can both get through an entire season and be like Ironman I don't think that happens for either of them but the nice thing about this squad is that that's not really necessary uh, we've seen that Zaniolo still has a lot of untapped potential. We know how good Dybala is. We know how good Pellegrini is in attacking role. We know that Zalewski originally was an attacker in the mold of Zaniolo or Dybala. He was a guy who was a free kick specialist who was one of the top scorers for the Primavera side. He's done very well as a left wing back, but that's not to say that that's his position forever or needs to be. Uh, so the point that I'm making here is that We've got a lot of rotational options now. We've got a lot of different tactics we can try out. We've got a lot of, you know, just bodies that can withstand being in three competitions at once. That gives me a lot of optimism heading into the season. Yeah, I think you make some great points. And I think because the schedule's going to be so compact, you know, normally thinking back on Thanksgiving Day here in the States, there's usually a Europa League or Conference League matchup. That won't be this year because the World Cup will be in full swing. So they're going to have to finish the, the group stage, I'd imagine, prior to mid-November, right? So the Europa League gets compacted. Setia is already starting earlier. There's going to have to be rotation because like you mentioned, Ibal's had his injury woes. You don't want to run him into the ground too early. 
Zaniolo looked great yesterday. The pace was back. He looked confident. The the dummy for Mancini second goal, which I don't know why Mancini was that deep into the box. Uh, <laughs> doesn't happen too often, right? But he dummied it perfectly to Mancini for the goal. Mm-hmm. I read um, from La Repubblica today that they said that Zaniolo is – uh, working on his decision-making, which is one thing that he's been criticized for a lot in his uh, early career. And, yeah. you know, it's easy to forget how explosive he was prior to those injuries because he was pretty mediocre for much of last season. He had flashes in the, especially in the conference league against Bodo. He had the, the winning goal against Feyenoord, but he was based on his skill set, mediocre in his performances. And seeing yesterday, the confidence coming back, the pace coming back, the dribbling, uh, beat some guys off the dribble, it's very encouraging. Uh, he could be like that breakout, almost like new signing for Roma that we thought he might've been last year because he's really hasn't been himself for so long. And like you said, there's so many matches that Mourinho will adjust match to match. There might be some games where probably Pellegrini plays in the central midfield role. Like he played the last two friendlies. And there will probably be other matches where Azaniola or Dybala sits and Pellegrini moves to his three Cortista position and rest one of those guys. You know, there might be matches. Belotti seems to be close. Him and Tammy might team up and maybe, you know, Pellegrini's rested and Zaniolo's rested and just Dybala plays behind. There's going to be a, a ton of different combinations that Mourinho can now play up front. Things that we could have never imagined 12 months ago or even less three months ago, really, right? Nobody thought Dybala and Belotti would be arriving on freeze. So, and I think from a Zaniolo perspective, I think Dybala being here, and eventually Belotti playing it with those attacking type players every day in training is going to push him to another level because he's been training with Paulo Dybala, one of the most skilled attacking players in Serie A over the last decade, day in and day out with a, a coach like Mourinho who's going to push him to be his best. I think it could be a, a breakthrough season for Zaniolo in the sense that now that he's healthy, maybe he can really take that next step in his career like we were hoping for a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I also have to point out Zaniolo is still eligible for our youth U23 that's currently contact. going yeah. on. That's the like, craziest thing. He's I hope that so everyone long. recognizes that. I feel like so many people in the Romaverse have been viewing him as a finished product for so long that they don't recognize that he's probably like, he's like even four to five years away from his peak as a player. Like this is what we're like, granted last season was a bit of a dud compared to his early seasons with Roma, but he's still 23 and for the, there's a reason why for the first three, like three of the past four, okay, not including this year of the countdown, but the last three seasons, he was the number one in our youth countdown. And, you know, not to spoil it for too many people, because I think everyone can probably expect this. He's our number one again. Because based um, on talent alone, he is the most talented player. He is the most, ta- exactly. And I mean, Dybala coming in changes the calculus a little bit. But I would argue that in terms of sheer potential and talent that we've seen, I think that Zaniolo is one of the top players on the squad in terms of like potential career highs, um, including actual play. I mean, Diabala has obviously accomplished more. Uh, Tammy put in a huge number of goals last season. That's not to take away anything from any of the more established senior players. But in terms of what I've seen from him over the very short career that he's had so far, He's an incredibly exciting prospect. There's a reason why clubs like Tottenham are reportedly trying to get him for like 50 or 60 million euros after the last season that he had. It's not because they think that they're overpaying. It's because they think that they're going to be massively underpaying for what he will create over the next several years. And anyone who doesn't realize that really needs to just like take a look in the mirror and understand that healthy, exciting prospects of Zaniolo's age often go for that 
those numbers. And for him to have not had a great season, to have had ACL tears, and to still be realistically thought of as a 50 to 60 million euro player says a lot about his long-term potential. Yeah, it really does. And and he he left a lot of uh people thinking this could be maybe the season where he bounces back after this. I think slimming down is probably a good thing on his part because he was so explosive prior with the, the speed and the pace and things like that. So and the last thing I'll say on him, he looked to be enjoying himself pre-match yesterday with his teammates celebrating. I don't think there's any doubt that I he stays at this point too late in the Mercato to sell him. Like you said, for 50, 60 million, I think Pinto knows better than to just give him up for some of the offers that are rumored to be coming in from Spurs loan with uh, obligation for 25 plus 10 in bonuses and throwing a player that they don't want anymore. I think that's all, all out the window, but yeah. you know, great way to finish the preseason, great way to build some momentum into the regular season, which starts in, in less than a week. Now as we're recording on Monday, 65,000 fans packing the Olympico it looked like it was a champions league or a derby or something to that you know, extent. So to sell it out, raise money for charity, a great cause for Roma. They backed out of the, the, the Gumper cup or however you pronounce it from Barcelona which would, would have been on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with the, the legal proceedings that Barcelona to bring, but I'm sure Barca is desperate for money in any way they can, they can find it these days. What a Other, joke of a club. Yeah, yeah, make, that, make, make, more than a club. <laughs> More like a joke of a club. Um, Jesus. Yeah, they, they need to get their heads out of their yeah, asses. That so is, fast. I don't know how they're signing players. That That's beyond me. I mean, we talk about Inter and te- teams like that being a mess. Barca's on another level. Uh, could do a whole other podcast about that. So we won't digress too much. But uh, great way. Anything you want to throw in before we move on to some Mercato updates about yesterday? Uh, I'm excited, man. Yeah. Um, Good luck we, tampering we, expectations, right after yesterday. Yeah. No, I. I mean, like, it's not. It's not just this match. Uh, it's the way that Roma has been approaching things this summer, and honestly, last summer too. Um, everything since the Freakins really took over and started imprinting themselves on this club has shown a determination to become better, while doing so essentially silently. Yeah. Uh, that I've really appreciated. Like, not to dig too hard onto Jim Palotta, but like the man would not shut up. And it's nice to have an ownership group that doesn't seem to be very chatty and just seems far more focused on translating results onto the pitch and financial results. Um, that's stuff that I want to see as a Roma fan. I don't really care how often the owner gets in the newspapers. I'd much rather them be silent and win. Yeah, I'd rather that than him be too brash, right, and outspoken. They've been quiet. They've gone about their business, and it's starting to re- reflect on the pitch. Um, so the Mercato, when Aldo made his uh, appearance yesterday, first time at the Olympico, he came in, in the second half sub. So he was his deal was finalized last week. Uh, but there are some players finally going out. Uh, we saw Jordan Vertu, I think it was Thursday of last week or so, made official to Marseille on an $11 million permanent transfer. So a little bit of money recouped there. Gonzalo Villar went official to Sampdoria today, loan with 8 million euro option to buy. Carlos Perez also will be going to Celta Vigo, 1 million euro loan with 11 million option. The uh, Spanish club actually put out a statement saying it's as long as the physical goes well, he's he's on his way out. Uh, Justin Kluivert nearing a, a deal with Fulham, it seems like, was said to be very close. Uh, Eldor Chimordov close to Bologna. That should be done in the next day or two from what I've read. And once that happens, that will unlock Andrea Bellotti, who reportedly turned down more money from Wolves this past weekend. To, to go to the loopy instead of the English wolves, the Italian wolves uh, shows, it. shows the commitment. And I mean, Roma's must've had this in, in place for a while that they're just reassuring him that it will happen. Mm-hmm. So 
And then potentially one other reinforcement that is being talked about a lot is another center back, a fifth center back to kind of build some depth there. Eric Bailey and Dan Axel Zagadu, both uh, the two names linked most often. Bailey would be a loan most likely from United. Zagadu would be another free transfer, kind of like a, a low risk, high ceiling type transfer. If they get him on a low enough salary, being there's no transfer fee coming from Bruce, uh, excuse me, Borussia Dortmund, but he's had some injury history. So Jim, with all that in mind, Besides the Matic shining, Dybala, obviously, um, Wijnaldum now, Zvilar, heading into the season, and uh, Selic, what rating are you going to give the overall Mercato if these things play out? We get one more center back out of those two. Elder goes and Belotti comes. How are you making, you know, how are you rating Pinto? How can it be anything other than an A? I'm, I'm being 100% real here. Like, not to, I, we're past the point of tampering, like, messing with expectations, like, Dybala's signing alone would put this in an A rating Mercato for me, unless things really like just fell off. But the combination of the Dybala signing with most likely keeping Zaniolo with the Wijnaldum signing, which I did not expect at all, um, with Belotti reportedly being very close to signing, and even the moves that they didn't make, like the fact that they have seemingly been holding firm on their valuation for David Fatezi. Is that as exciting as bringing him back? No, but it's also a smart move. It like I am very happy with this Mercado in part because they didn't spend a huge amount on transfer fees. And that implies to me that there's still money in the tank to bring in players either in January or next summer when needed. And it makes financial sense to go after these players on expirings or who you know you can get on loan if they're that good and they've been that good that we brought in. So I'm very excited by that. Yeah. I think that's the important thing is that the players they are bringing in on freeze and alone aren't just guys that are, you know, garbage players that we can't afford to bring in anybody else. We don't have the transfer money to bring in somebody else. You're talking about quality players. Dybala. I mean, what's he worth on the open market, right? At least 50 million, right. Uh, based on what yeah. some of these other guys are going for. Yeah. Um, you know, Wijnaldum a little bit older now at 31, I believe, but quality player on a, on a loan no obligation in, in, unless things go really well. Uh, I, I agree. I think this has to be like an A, A minus type Mercato. If all these other players do exit, I think he's done a great job of clearing out the salary. I think Roma's uh, salary obligations are actually a little lower than they were last season with all these players heading out. Um, and I think with these three or four more players heading out. I think it's considerably less than last season. Even when you throw in Belotti, probably making about 3 million euros. I mean, mm -hmm. bringing Belotti in for Eldor is a big upgrade in terms of goal scoring. Uh, Selleck, it, it, Bren put it in his um, fullback preview. Like it's finally a position of strength fullback now because between Spinazzola coming back healthy, Zalewski playing there as a left wing back, Karsdorp playing really well the last two years. Now Selleck, you have depth at fullback so i mean the mercato has been great and, I, and not spending money on transfers is crazy seven yeah. million total um uh, just on the uh Selic deal there might have been a million or two i think thrown around for winaldum and the loan i'm sure there's a little bit of a fee there but 10 million or less on all these players coming in and and not on huge salaries you know winaldum and, and dibala are at the top of the pay structure at, at the club but you still cut salary. I, the only guys really left if they can move Cloyver and Elder in the next couple of days is really just Calafiore, maybe on a loan mm -hmm. and Diawara who seems to be going nowhere. He'd, he'd rather just sit around and not yeah. play and make money. So it's hard yeah. to move a player who doesn't want to move, but uh, yeah, it's gotta be like an A and, and I was disappointed when Fratesi didn't arrive, but if he doesn't arrive because Roma's not willing to pay 30 million, like you said, so be it. And guess what? If teams like Juve and Milan are really interested and the price does get driven up to that amount, 
Roma gets 30% of that transfer. So you're looking at nine, 10 million euros possibly off a player who is not being lost off your, your roster. So uh, great business from Pinto. Like you said, I'm sure there's gotta be money sitting around if they do see a player who's available that maybe they can strike for the right price. Um, I guess Marco Sanessi wasn't in plans because he went to Bournemouth for about 15 million euros, I think. So my assumption for that one has to be that they offered him starting minutes you know like yeah he's gotta be a we, were, there. we were we were never gonna offer him starting minutes and i think that there's a certain type of player who would much rather have reassurances of playing regularly than you know a chance a better chance at glory or at least interesting competitions which yeah, is fair especially in a world yeah. cup year if he's in the mix for argentina he wants to play yeah yeah, yeah. so we'll see in the next couple of days keep up on the site with mercato news but there is i guess still about three weeks left in the mercato because there's early start to the season so it's an interesting um mercato this summer because of the early start but we'll keep you up to date on both the podcast and the website so keep up with that so the first match jim at salernitana team that in a pretty much miraculous way survived relegation last year with davide nicola taking over about halfway or so through the season a little bit past halfway and really they looked dead to rights they were <laughs> i said early in the season they look like the worst steady out team possibly ever uh at the beginning yeah. of the season and they survived so credit to them they end up being Roma's first opponent uh, on the on the weekends. Uh, Federico Fazio will be there. Uh, Eric Bathheim of Bodo Glimt fame will be there. So there'll be some familiar faces. And uh, what are you looking for on Sunday from Roma? Being that this is the first match, sometimes these can be tricky. It's on the road. A team that probably will try to dig in and, and te- keep Roma's attack at bay as best they can, I guess. Um, I think that I would say that the reality of the situation is that Salernitana is going to park the bus. Um, and I'm way more confident in Roma's ability to unlock a parked bus with Paolo Dybala and a seemingly resurgent Nicolo Zaniolo in the side than I was before. Uh, it was very, very frustrating to watch, especially during like the Ed and Jaco years, uh, Roma play against park buses because it felt like nothing ever went anywhere. Beyond that, I think that, you know, the way that these matches usually work is that one goal can break them open. And I think that I wouldn't be surprised considering how much of a head of steam Roma is working with right now. If they get that goal relatively quickly, this could be come like a, uh, you know, three or four goal effort. They're, they don't, it's impressive that they avoided the drop, but I don't think that like automatically makes them like a force to be reckoned with in Serie A this season either. Yeah, I, I think you you said you put it perfectly. If you get the goal early enough, it opens everything up. I mean, you look at the two matches head to head last season. The first one, Roma ran rough shot at the Olympico four nothing, um, all in the second half. But they once they got the first goal, they kind of poured in. The return match in April uh, in Salerno was tough on Roma. It took till the 82nd minute for Roma to equalize after a 22nd minute goal by Salernitana, and then an 85th minute winner from Chris Smalling. It was one of those matches that you're like, oh my goodness, we're not going to score against one of these minnows, and we're going to drop points again. And in the end, Roma got the three points, but that's the kind of bitch of a match that it could be on Sunday if Roma can't break down Salernitana. So the earlier they can get that first goal, I think you're right. It could turn into a 3-4 goal, uh, possibly, hopefully, Laffer again, uh, like to 3 nothing, 4 nothing tune if, if things go right. But if Salernitana stays dug in, Roma can't break them down, then it gets a little nervy probably. And that's how those matches go against those smaller teams that are not afraid to dig in and look for their one opportunity. So I think that's what we'll have to keep an eye on, on, uh, on Sunday. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that, you know, this is years and years of Roma, not standing up to the smaller clubs and playing down to their opposition have trained me to think that this is going to be a draw, 
but at the same time, I've got some hope. I hope it doesn't get shattered too quickly this season, but I have more hope for Roma than I normally do going into a season, which is a nice feeling. Yeah, I think uh, the way the team performed the last couple, you know, friendlies and, and with those kind of things, I think it, it leaves hope that Roma will get the job done. Salernitana, you know, no real notable additions. Uh, Luigi <laughs> Seppi comes in at goal. I'm looking just through there. Um, they did bring in Matteo Lovato from, at center back. He was with Cagliari last year. So there's a couple, couple names here and there of players that uh, – maybe could have an impact on the match, but not guys that are going to scare you. You know, Bohainen, who I mentioned, I, I mispronounced his name before, he's injured the player from Bodo Glimp, so Roma won't mm-hmm. have, we'll have to, we're actually, no, Bothheim, I'm kind of confused now, because there's two Norwegians with very similar names, so I'm going to give up on Slaritana's roster here. But uh, Yeah, I think that's a sign from above. Yeah, just um, give up on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. I think it comes down to score early and then score often. And then mm-hmm. if, if Roma can do that, then they have Cremonese next weekend and uh, then it's Juve. And Juve did not look very good against Atletico. So I think getting off to a good start, these first two matches will be key. Head to Turin with some confidence. And then this could be when Juve might be vulnerable. We'll see. Uh, yeah. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> let's not. Yeah, let's not count chickens yeah. before they've hatched. So... That's the first match of the season. So let's talk about the season overall. We'll do like kind of a mini preview here, Jim, before we, we wrap. And what are your expectations for the season at this point in terms of maybe finishing and, and things like that? What are you looking for from Roma? Um, I would say that I'm mainly looking for, uh, it's hard to say. I, th- I think that the top four is going to be incredibly tight. Uh, I think that it's going to be Inter, Milan, um, Roma, and most likely Juventus, because I don't believe that they're going to have that many down years in a row. Um, given that, uh, I think that Roma could be first or second. I really do. I think that things have to go their way in the same way that things had to go AC Milan's way when they wanted to win a title last year. Uh, but, you know, those things happen. And I think that since I started seriously following Roma, this is the most optimistic that I've felt about their ability to succeed uh, in a tangible trophy-related sense going into a season uh that's not just necessarily informed by their success in the europa conference league it's informed by the transfer that they've made it's informed by my belief that a lot of the younger players in the squad have a chance to become really good rotational players um going into the season as much as i would have loved to have fratezzi i think eduardo bove could become something very special this season and he wouldn't cost anything um as much as i would have loved to have Leonardo Spinazzola for all of last season. It allowed for the emergence of Nikola Zalewski, who, you know, is arguably one of the more exciting prospects. When I say prospect, I mean like U21 in Italy, let alone Europe. He's a fascinating player. I'm really excited to see where he goes. Uh, And I would just say that there's a lot of these players, whether it's, uh, you know, players lower down on the youth countdown too, like Giacomo Faticanti, uh, a couple others that I think could, you know, be making an impact in a sooner rather than later sense, combined with experience and star power that's been added to the squad. That does make me believe that in the at least in the next year or two, a Scudetto could happen. Yeah, I think this season minimum expectation for me is top four at deep runs in both the Copa and the Europa League. It has to be bare minimum uh, top four because I think a return to the Champions League has to happen under Mourinho. He'll be entering his third year of his contract next year. So that's my minimum objective. Now, could I see them making a push for first or second? Most certainly. I could see it happening. 
I'm not going to make that prediction, but I think if Roma gets through this first month of the season and they win these matches against three, two newcomers to the league, couple teams that weren't great last year, Nudinese and Salernitana, and they, and they can go to turn and win and they come out with like 15 out of 15 points. Then maybe I start to believe we see where they are halfway through the season, things like that. But I think the thing that Roma has working in their favor to finish in the top, even two or three is the league is pretty wide open in terms of there's no clear dominant team. In my opinion, I think right now Inter is probably the best team on paper uh, with the return of Lukaku and pretty much their whole roster returning. So they would probably be, if I had, you know, had to pick a Scudetto winner guns in my head right now, I'd probably say Inter. Um, But I I agree with you. I think top four has got to be, it's probably going to be tight, especially if Napoli reinforces properly. It looks like Raspadori might be arriving. Some other players might be arriving there. Uh, to try to offset some of the losses they had with Insigne and Koulibaly and Mertens. But um, if I had to pick a top four, it's going to be some combination of Inter, AC Milan, Roma, and Juve. Um, Mm -hmm. Order to probably be determined at this point, but I think Inter is the favorite for the Scudetto. Um, But I think Roma will be in the mix, and it it really is going to come down to them head-to-head against those big teams. How do they perform this year? Because they didn't really perform against those big teams last year. You know, they beat Lazio in the Derby. They beat Fiorentina once. Um, and I'm trying to think if they beat anybody else last season and, and that was head to head, they blew up a, a chance to really stick it to Juve in January. So yeah. those head to heads are going to be, I think, crucial this year for them. Yeah. And I've got a little confidence that they're going to be able to do a lot better this time around with those simply because I don't think you can underrate how much winning even something as nominally insignificant as uh the Europa Conference League can do for a squad's mentality. I think that the moment that you realize you can win, it becomes a whole lot easier to win. And I would also add that we've added a lot of winners mm-hmm. to this squad. Uh, I don't think that can be underrated, that even Matic, who is like the third best winner that we've added so far this summer, is a great player who has had a lot of success. And, you know, I would say that with this particular situation, it is very helpful to have a Dybala. It is very helpful to have a Wijnaldum. It is very helpful even if we get a Belotti. Belotti is a guy who has been used to kind of bearing the brunt of an entire attack for most of his career. If Long we'll be time. Because yeah. not even Torino, uh, not even just at Torino. I mean, like, obviously Dybala was with him at Palermo for a bit, but it was them. It was not like there. that was like a star-studded club. And so to be put into a situation where he can now be a rotational option is going to be huge for him in the sense that it won't just be up to him to save games. He can work in a system and be satisfied. And I think that there's a lot of reasons to think that Roma going forward will have a better mentality approaching these matches than they normally do. Yeah, and I, I think you brought up a great point. I was thinking the same thing before you said it is you're adding players like Dybala, Matic, Wijnaldum, who are not going to cower to Inter or, or Milan or Juve. They're not going to back down to these teams. They know what it takes to win. And I think the rest of the squad is coming around to that with the Conference League victory. And I think th- that confidence, if they can get that first one out of the way against Juve or whenever the next one is after that, say they go get a draw at, at the J or something, they get that one monkey off their back. I think they could really yeah. snowball into a, a, you know, maybe you go five and three against the other top four teams in the league or something like that. And you get 15 out of 24. That's a pretty good haul. Something in that range, much better than the past. And that's how you get yourself at minimum top four, right? Is to have a winning record yeah. against those other maybe four or five contenders that they'll be going head to head with. 
In terms of improvement, I'm looking at the attack this season. I think the attack will be the most improved area. Romo's goal scoring was uh, the lowest it had been for, I think, seven or eight seasons when I did the, the attacking preview just coming out this week. So I, I just look at the players we've added. We, I won't go too deep into because we've talked about it already. But when you add Dybala, Belotti, uh, hopefully it improves Zaniolo. Uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini is technically a midfielder, but the, the attributes that he brings to the attack. Um, and, of course, Tammy Abraham, who had 17 goals last season. I think the attack will be the most improved area of the pitch. Do you see it the same way or do you see a different place that might be more improved? Yeah, I think that the attack will be very improved. My tab for most improved, though, is the midfield. Um, I think that that's pretty obviously was Roma's weakest spot last season. No offense to Jordan Veretout. Thank you for your service. I hope you have a good time in France. But you clearly, not only were you not very impressive last season, you not being impressive dragged down Brian Cristante, which was really disappointing too, because I think that he's a much better player than a lot of people give him credit for. Uh, but to replace Veretout essentially with Wijnaldum, to replace Gonzalo Villar with Matic, and to have... Brian Cristante go from being like the guy in midfield to being one of the guys in midfield and don't get it twisted. Like he'll, he'll still be a key part of the rotation. I think. Yeah. He'll start plenty of games. He'll start plenty of games, especially knowing that like, you know, Matic and Wijnaldum aren't the youngest guys. So like there will be times when it's Cristante starting and that's fine. (laughs) Um, But being able to pair him with more experienced, more consistent players is going to be huge. And add in the fact that Bove could be a much better player this season than he was last season, or at least a more consistently playable player. And you've got, there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about the midfield. Yeah. And I I think since you brought him up, I was going to ask who you thought would be the breakout player. I think we probably agree it's Eduardo Bove at this point. Would be yeah, the season. Zaleski can no longer be count. No, he broke out. He's he's broken. He's broken out. Like he's been, he was nominated for the golden boy for the second year in a row. Like he's broken out. He's a great player now with a lot of room to grow still, but uh, yeah, he, yeah. he's broken out. And I would put Bove as the next guy on that list. Volpato is incredibly promising, but the lack of the sheer amount of depth is probably the better way to put it. The sheer amount of depth at forward now, especially if Belotti comes in indicates to me that he's not going to see much time. And that's okay. He's a lot. He's also a bit younger than Bove. Yeah. So for him to have like another season of, you know, spot minutes or like maybe alone wouldn't be the worst thing for him. So yeah, I'm yeah, very his path is a I bit more Bove's the guy. Yeah, yeah, I think I, Bove is the guy for next season. Yeah, I agree. So any concerns for the upcoming season? Anything concern you? Uh, the biggest thing that concerns me is the thing that concerns me every season, which is injuries, man. I mean, Agreed. Roma has been cursed and luckily, I mean, knock on wood, uh, Roma was not very cursed in that first yep. season with Mourinho. Uh, I don't know what happened. Maybe he, I have not read very much about them, like totally swapping out the, the uh, medical team again, but they've done that like several times. So that wouldn't give me confidence either way. Um, but yeah, I mean, not to get too sad about it, but like, just as with any big squad, if you lose one of your star players to like an ACL tear, you can kiss your chance of winning a title goodbye at the very least. And I hope that doesn't happen because again, this is the closest I've ever felt to Roma being a title winner. And I think that with the right moves and the right amount of rotation, it could really happen. Uh, But injuries are always what scares me the most heading into a season. And that's definitely true this season. Yeah, I agree. Injuries. I won't even go more in depth than that. You covered it. Uh, who do you think will be Roma's MVP at the end of the season? 
That's a tough question. I'm going to be ballsy and say uh, Nicolas Agnolo. Oh, I was going to go. Gonna be, go yeah. ahead. I, I recognize that that's not necessarily like a conventional pick right now. Um, not just because he didn't have the best season last season, but because, you know, Paolo Dybala came in and we have Tammy Abraham and we have Lorenzo Pellegrini and we have a bunch of very exciting players in the squad now, um, all of who are more experienced than Zaniolo. But I don't think there's a doubt in my mind that if Zaniolo is able to rediscover his form, uh, he will be probably the becoming one of the biggest stars at Rome, in Roma. Uh, I think that's pretty obvious in terms of how much press he gets when he's not playing well. If he starts playing well, the Italian media is going to be all over him as the next big thing. And whether and as for MVP, I don't know if that necessarily directly translates to most valuable player, but I do see him being able to have like a double double type season, like 15 goals, maybe 10 assists. I think that's completely within the realm of possibility if he plays to his best. And yeah, but at the same time, I I also think that if Romo is to do well, it could also be DiBala who's the MVP or Pellegrini who's the MVP. We've got so much offensive versatility now that there are a lot of different options for who could just like explode over the course of a season. I agree. I, I like, I like the Zaniel pick. I was going to go Pellegrini. I think he is almost a lock for a double, double this season with the, the amount of talent around him His his improved free kick ability to score goals directly to assist goals, uh, unlocking the defense. I think he will find plenty of assists feeding players like Zaniel Dybala and Abraham. So I'm going to go him. Jim, a couple quick hitters before we finish up here. Who do you think is under the most pressure to perform? I was going to go Zaniolo because I think with Dybala around and some of these other players, there is more competition for minutes there. Uh, he, he impressed me yesterday, but I do think he is still under the most pressure, especially with the transfer links. Who would you go with? I think that I would go with either him or Cristante mm. because they stand yeah, the most. To, I think they both stand the most to lose from the new signings, getting a lot of minutes and being very impressive if they're not impressive as well. Yeah, I think Karzorp could be in that category too. I think Karzorp will have, looks great. Yeah, he'll have reduced minutes, but that's going to be a good thing in many ways. But we'll see if yeah. it, which way the minutes trend, if it's more toward Karzorp, more toward Selleck, that'll be something to keep an eye on. Uh, we talked about our breakout player. What about Tammy? If I gave you an over under 19 and a half goals, league only, Serie A only, how, what would Ooh, you say? League only. He got 17 last 17 season. 17 right? last take, season. I'm, take, I'm taking the over. Taking the over too. I think he's somewhere in the 2025 range of season. I think he's probably closer to 20 than 25 just because we have so much offensive versatility and hopefully he'll be rested from time to time, especially if Belotti comes in. But I would not be surprised if he had like 22 goals and there were a bunch of other guys in the teens for Roma this season. There's just so much offensive firepower in this squad right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, we go from a team that had one 10 goal score last year in Abraham in the league to potentially three or four. Um, yeah. You know, you add Delotti, who, if he gets enough minutes, could score 10 goals. Dybala might be, uh, if he stays healthy, maybe a shoo-in for 10 goals. Zaniolo yeah. could push for 10 goals. So it will be exciting. And, and I think Tammy does hit 20. Hopefully he's, you know, in the goal. I think he'll be in the golden boot race, but you're right. There is a lot more um, competition for minutes. He'll get a little more rest. So we'll see. But Jim, six days away from the start of the season. This is mostly excited. I've been in quite some time for a Roma season to kick off. I'm always excited, but there's just a different level of expectation this year. I think. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. I mean, Paolo Dybala is without a doubt the biggest signing that Roma has completed in my time as a Roma fan. Uh, I would also say that Wijnaldum is a huge signing in and of itself. There's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about Roma moving forward. 
Yeah. So we're going to leave it there. This will be the end of our season preview. When we get you next week, it'll be after Roma's first match and hopefully the first three points of the season. So thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next week. Thank you.